Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to talk about something that we all feel from time to time, depression. This means that we feel low or sad or down in the dumps. Sometimes we may have a so-called reason for feeling unhappy. We may just have experienced a loss. It could be loss of a function like a hearing loss or loss of a loved one in death or separation. It can be a loss of a job or friends that have moved away. And sometimes we can feel blue for no particular reason. What we call clinical depression is what is called a mood disorder in which these types of feelings of sadness interfere with everyday life for longer periods of time. Symptoms of depression can be, for example, feeling low most of the time, losing pleasure in activities that you normally enjoy, having trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, changes in appetite with either weight gain or weight loss, tiredness, lack of energy, and feelings of worthlessness. The person who's depressed might even have trouble concentrating or remembering things. But one of the most important symptoms of depression is that a person may start avoiding activities. Uh, Thoughts of death and suicide are also common. And today you're going to get a chance to meet and listen to an expert. Dr. Robin Walser has worked for many years with ACT with trauma and correlated depression at the TL Consultation Service. Robin also works at the Veterans Administration in Palo Alto, California. Robin is the author of several ACT books, among others, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, of post-traumatic stress disorder and trauma-related problems. You can read more about Robin on her website and her books as well by clicking on her name on this program, Act Taking Her to Hope, on webtalkradio.net. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Joanne, for having me today. Robin, depression seems to be pretty hopeless and depressed people not so fun to be around. So what got you interested in working with depression? Well, uh, initially, uh, when I was doing a lot of work with post-traumatic stress disorder, especially in my early encounters with it, I learned pretty quickly that depression commonly co-occurs with trauma and so became a part of the work that I was doing Up to 80% of people with post-traumatic stress disorder experience depression, and so I became much more involved in looking at depression and how it impacts 
people and their functioning. Mm-hmm. So, so, but do you have a personal interest in depression? Well, I have sort of a broad interest um, in the sense that some of the folks that I work with, their lives are being taken by it, if I could say it that way. I don't have any um, history of depression in my family or any strong personal experiences with it. I've certainly felt depressed myself and um, sort of been in those deep, dark places that we all tend to experience from time to time. Mm -hmm. I say largely it comes from encountering people in my practice where I have just seen depression overcome people's lives. Mm. Would you say that depression is is, um, a natural part of life? Well, it's true, like you mentioned, that um, everyone occasionally feels blue or sad, and sometimes those feelings can be quite deep and powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they tend to be short-lived, and they can pass within a few days to a couple of weeks. Um, Those who don't um, recover from those sorts of feelings, though, are the ones that we get concerned about, and the feelings of sadness begin to do things like interfere with their daily functioning. Um, People around them begin to get concerned about how they're doing and what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it seems to get pretty serious. So people tend to be um, struggling beyond what might be a normal period of feeling sad or blue. Okay, so so you're saying that that time is an important thing. If that it's it's natural to feel sad, but if it doesn't pass within a certain time, um, that you get back in your life again, then there was there'd be reason for concern. That's right. That's correct. Mm-hmm. So so, Brabham, how common is depression? Well, there's a number of figures. There are some important things to keep in mind. Um, Depression is fairly widespread, so almost all cultures experience some form of it. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, um, it does seem to be on the rise. For instance, uh, the age of onset of depression is getting progressively lower, so we're Mm -hmm. seeing it in younger uh, and younger uh, persons and um, which is concerning. Uh, There's not any clear uh, explanation for that. I know that the prevalence rates, at least here in the United States, are 20 to 25% for women and 9 to 12% for men. Mm -hmm. Women do have higher rates of depression, and it's almost twice as high, uh, actually, for women than it is for men. Why would that that be, Robin? Well, uh, you know, almost all disorders are higher for women than for men. Not all, but almost all. And there's a number of thoughts about why that's the case. Some of it has to do with um, women in general being more open and willing to talk about their emotional lives. There's mm-hmm. that sort of notion. Or that maybe they're more vulnerable um, given the roles and challenges that they have. And so... Uh, there's a number of thoughts on that issue and no clear reason why women uh, are ha- have higher rates than men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that also, now I didn't, I wanted to ask you about using antidepressants. There, there are very high figures on antidepressants among women in the United States. 
They are very high figures, and it's a bit of a mixed bag. If you look at the uh, medication literature and sort of follow it out in terms of what's been happening with research, you have some folks who can benefit um, relatively soon, within three to four weeks of taking the medication, they'll report that they feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some people who uh, spend years trying different medications, um, one after another, or combinations of medications to help themselves recover from depression, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The the research shows that the sort of the best intervention is a combination of psychotherapy and medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's, um, there is a real role for seeking help uh, beyond medications in the treatment of depression. So, so Robin, what? How can you explain what causes depression? Well, uh, that's a complicated question. Uh, it seems like it's uh, caused by a number of different processes and sort of combination or alone that come in combination or alone so for instance there are there's some role for genetics you can see depression running in families that said however you can also see people um, who don't have any history of depression in their families becoming depressed mm. it can be a combination of biology your environment like what's happening around you Mm-hmm. And other psychological factors, uh, what's happening in your life and how you're relating to that psychologically. So it's a bit of a, a mixed issue. It can be caused by a number of different paths or combination of paths. Mm-hmm. But how do you explain that this was so common today uh, and not 20 years ago? Well, I think that probably there was a fair amount of depression happening 20 years ago. It's just that we know more about it and are more aware. You know, as we've moved across time, we've become better able to um, identify uh, mood disorders and and take a better look at them. I also think there's some um, sort of social factors that have made it more possible for people to talk about their depression. You know, we've got advertising about medication for depressions you've got people using technologies such as web radio and other things talking about it so that you can see people feel more able to talk about it now that's one explanation there could be other explanations that um, are hard to sort of pin down unless you've studied them that have to do with maybe social factors, maybe, you know, two two wars, for instance, um, threats of recession and being in recession, all of those different kinds of contextual factors can play a role, too, and uh, uh, people can be feeling more depressed as a result of their current situation. So there's a number of factors that might be playing a role in that. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, Robin, I, I think about um, when I see patients is that um, – the farther away we get from actual um, dealing with life, I mean, like, you know, working in the developing countries, people who are, you know, trying to find their food every day and they're getting their water and, you know, they're very much in contact with, with, with life, um, seem to be a little less prone to depression than, than living in, you know, in air-conditioned places where they're not in contact and eating maybe processed foods that they don't, you know, not preparing. Do you, what do you think about that? 
Um, well, this is just sort of speculation on my part, um, but I I think that one of the key things to sort of modernization of the world is you have more time on your hands, right? Like you're not busy mm-hmm. engaging in where am I going to get my next gallon of water and what food are we going to eat today? You're, you have open time, and when you have open time, you have time to think about your circumstances, mm-hmm. um, think about who you are and what you're doing. You just have more opportunity to be present to what's happening with your mind and I think that sometimes those things can really get people hooked now just quickly um, that said I'm not opposed to open time (laughs) I think we all need to have you know some time and space in our lives it's just what we do with that time I think is really really important yeah yeah that's a good point so if you were to think of uh, an act approach to depression how would you think of it well uh typically uh we think about experiential avoidance or escape from unpleasant emotions and thoughts uh, internal experiences you might see things that are happening inside of ourselves we don't want them uh we've uh, many of us have been brought up in cultures where it's good to be happy mm-hmm. and that's what you should seek uh, mm-hmm. is happiness and i think that a fair amount of what um, is happening for us from an ACT perspective is that we are having unsuccessful attempts to not have those negative private events. So, for instance, if you look at depression, what people will report is that they feel numb, uninterested. They'll describe their feelings as black or empty, nothingness. It's almost as if they've lost contact with their emotional self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such things as sadness or anxiety. And behave, there's also behavioral patterns of escape too, like not um, stopping activities, isolating, withdrawing from uh, people who are important to you in your life and <clears throat> sort of just shutting a system down mm-hmm. where there where you don't have to contact sort of any emotional or thought struggles mm-hmm. there's a bit of a um, sense that I'm not worthy mm-hmm. and what I need to do is find a way to get worthy and then I can re-engage these activities it's almost a sort of backward um, process mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Okay, so the word you use the word experiential avoidance. Um, we haven't really used that word, uh, and I think it's an interesting to take it up. So, so you mean that uh, the what people would act, actually be avoiding their emotions uh, by avoiding people who are important to them? Yeah. So let's say that you're having conflict in a relationship, and that it brings a fair amount of uh, anxiety or feelings of being rejected Mm -hmm. um, that you might sort of withdraw under those circumstances and pull away from important people in your life because you don't Mm -hmm. like feeling um, rejection or struggle. And so you sort of shut your system down, back away. Mm -hmm. And so experiential avoidance is basically... Attempts to escape, get rid of, run away from 
emotions, thoughts, sensations that you don't like or that you don't want to have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we would be playing it safe by uh, avoiding what's important to me. Yeah, that's the irony of it is that it's, I really would like to not be rejected, yet the individual ends up um, pulling away in an attempt to not feel rejected, and then their rejection actually ends up happening. I mean, that's just one example, but that's sort of a pattern that you can identify for folks who are feeling, one pattern among many that you can identify for folks who are feeling sad or depressed. Mm-hmm. So it's a case-by-case sort of contextual in nature process, like what is happening for this individual? What are they avoiding? Uh And I should mention a few other processes, but I want to just check in with you if I'm getting heading into the right area. Yeah, that's good. So, so, so ACT would approach depression with, um, yep. Tell us the processes. Well, so what can happen also is that people can become attached to certain ways of thinking about themselves. So, for instance, they might have a thought that I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. These are typically self-deprecating thoughts. There's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not, um, I don't have any self-esteem. And they're focused on personal shortcomings. These thoughts can be in the, so they get sort of fused with them or glued is one, another way to say it is as if those are, if they and their thoughts are one in the same. Mm-hmm. And they also sort of get stuck in things that happened from the past. So they're no longer in the here and now. They tend to ruminate or spend a lot of time thinking about things that have happened Mm -hmm. uh, rather than um, what is. Mm -hmm. And they can also over-identify with a sense of themselves, sort of lose perspective as as themselves as sort of, broad, interactive human being, and they sort of begin to narrow their focus in on, I'm defective, I'm broken in some way. Mm-hmm. Other things that can happen are being stuck in painful memories, um, mm-hmm. feelings of guilt, sadness as the result of a loss, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of processes involved in conceptualizing or thinking about what's happening from an act perspective for a depressed individual. Okay. So negative thoughts, that's a pretty, because that's a pretty common symptom of depression. I'm sorry, Joanne, you cut out there. Could you say that again? Negative thoughts is, is a pretty common symptom of depression, what you mentioned. That's correct. Negative thoughts are a, big part of feeling depressed. Mm-hmm. And what else? Well, the other sort of key thing that I think happens for folks who are feeling depressed is that they step out of their lives. So they stop many of the activities that were important to them. Um, the things that they value and care about get lost Mm -hmm. Uh, it's almost as if there's no energy to continue in um, engaging in things that bring meaning to their lives. And so I think part of our work as therapists is, and one of the key things is for people to re-engage those um, important 
parts of their lives and they don't necessarily have to feel better or stop thinking something in order to do it, although it will feel challenging under those circumstances. Okay, so this is when we talk about the three parts of ACT. Uh, this would be the last part of acti- actively engaging in valued activities. That's correct. So we want folks um, to have compassion for their experience of sadness, depression, and take action and move forward in ways that are important and valued for them in a committed uh, and engaged way. Mm-hmm. So, Robin, do you have any examples of how anybody you've worked with using ACT for depression? Well, I have a, a number of folks. Um, I can talk about one case where the individual was having many struggles at work, was um, very stressed. It was during the height of our um homing housing boom here in the United States and they worked in an area where they did a fair amount of um, paperwork around this kind of an issue Um, and they just became overwhelmed and found herself just wanting to withdraw um, getting more and more blue and part of the work that we did was helping her to see her mind as not necessarily her friend, but not her enemy either, Mm -hmm. Um, that it was saying things to her in ways that were really um, getting her stuck, like there's something horribly wrong with me. And uh, we worked with her to help her see that as a thought that she has while engaging in both activities that were important to her and finding ways to reduce her stress at work. Mm-hmm. So we were you know, coming at it from multiple avenues. And um, she went on actually, after doing some values assessment, like what's important to you, and looking at what was happening in her environment, she uh, made a very big uh, values-based move and actually changed jobs in the end and um, was able to come into a situation where she had a better balance in her life and uh, where she was able to also see what was going on in her mind is not necessarily the thing that was the problem, but that the situation was the problem and taking action there was what was helpful. Mm-hmm. Robin, I know that you you um, are very good at these exercises, how you help people with thoughts Sticky thoughts. Do you have an example how you would work with someone who was very stuck in their thoughts? I do. Um, I have a um, client right now, actually, that I'm thinking of who the thoughts are incredibly, what they seem to be the most powerful thing where he has lost that sort of sense of I'm a human being who has a mind and he has become his mind. Mm -hmm. So I think we all tend to do that, right? Like we're so busy thinking most of the time that we uh, lose contact with a sense of ourselves that is 
experiencing and feeling and uh, encountering the world and sensing is much broader than just thinking. Mm-hmm. And his thoughts, uh, his key uh, thoughts are, is I'm, I'm not good enough. Uh, not good enough for to be liked. I'm not good enough to have a partner. I'm not good enough to keep, stay in my job. And just really um, stuck in I'm not good enough. And sort of, it's almost as if he were wearing a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. And the wetsuit has written all over it, I'm not good enough. And that's all he could see. So what we've been working on is sort of peeling off the wetsuit, mm-hmm. right? And seeing that there is him holding a wetsuit that says, I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. not him being the wetsuit itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a funny picture. Yeah. So sort of helping him see the distinction between a sticky mind, sort of a wetsuit mind versus him wearing a wetsuit and can he sort of peel it off and hold it up and say, oh, this is, this is what my mind does to me in this place. And can I see it for what it is and take action, like hold the wetsuit in one hand and, you know, drive forward with the other. So those are the kinds of activities we've been doing to help him get reengaged and get back in the, the process of what's important to him. It's very hard to stop thinking I'm not good enough once you've started thinking it. It's hard to block that process. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. Yeah. Robin, I often uh, get a question from people um, when you talk about getting into valued activities. Um, if, if you really don't feel like, you know, feel like going out with your friends or you, you know, things that you earlier enjoyed, um, and you often hear this fake it till you make it, I mean, how do you get people to start doing things that they've lost interest in? And, yeah, you, you know, that's it. Fake it till you make it is kind of interesting because it has this quality of don't be real, just go act or something like that. Mm-hmm. I almost wish it was like engage till you make it. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, be there and with one foot in front of the other. It's not anything more than that. Um, and be present, show up, uh, and do the things that are important and valuable to you. And motivation will follow. You know, folks sort of have this notion that they need to feel motivated to go do things and to engage. And I actually conceptualize it the other way around. And once you engage, motivation follows. And so I've recommend to folks that engage until you make it stay with and point out that this kind of engagement is not an outcome it's not like you go hang out with your friends one time and then you suddenly feel better it's a process this Mm -hmm. takes time and you have to re-engage and re-engage as a process rather than a final place that you'll arrive Mm -hmm. I, i know that robin you've also written a book for couples um, uh, mindfulness for couples, or what was it called? Yeah, mind, uh, the mindful couple. The mindful couple. Would you say there too that that um, can you act lovingly even when you don't feel? Yes, I believe you can. I mean, it, you can think about the 
behaviors that we engage in when we're demonstrating to another person that we care about them, that we love them. And those can, that can range in nature from everything to, uh, you know, giving them a small gift to bringing them their dinner at the table to wrapping your arms around them and just being present with them. And all of those things are available to us no matter how we feel. Mm-hmm. Now that, that doesn't mean at times that people will want to go sleep or isolate. Surely it will. The key is to, you know, engage in those kind of patterns of behavior to a greater degree on an ongoing basis. I guess the key thing here is that um, what you'll hear from time to time when you're talking with depressed individuals about being engaged and taking that footstep, um, doing loving behavior, mm-hmm. is they'll say, I don't feel like it, or you don't get it how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you can sort of feel the the power of the pain as as you're encouraging them to do loving behaviors, for instance. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I remind them of is that this is an easy and hard process at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's easy in that they know how to do those behaviors. They've done them before, right? Mm-hmm. You've probably put your arms around somebody. You've given a gift or made a compliment, whatever the behavior is. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's a emotional experience and thought experience that seems to be telling you that you can't. Mm -hmm. And what I remind them is they have evidence that they can, Mm -hmm. they have. And Mm -hmm. so have deep heartfelt compassion for that pain Mm -hmm. and put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And that, and I hope that's, I hope I'm coming across the way I Mm -hmm. mean it to because Mm -hmm. I do not want to disregard that part where it just feels impossible to people. Yeah, I um I really think that's good. That's good advice, and I probably could be pretty general uh, towards your kids, uh, towards your working friends, uh, to be in gen- in general act in in a, a way of integrity and how you want to be, regardless how you feel. I think that's I think that's correct. Is that each day. We can choose how we want to be in the world, how we want to do it, what we want to create. And um, I think that involves this this very active, alive process. And um, it can be very challenging. It can feel quite hard when you are um, in the wetsuit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that, in the wetsuit. Robin, uh, we've come to the towards the end of the program now and I wonder if I'm sure there are radio listeners who uh, might themselves or have family members who are struggling with depression what advice could you give them? Well if you have a family member who's struggling be sure to offer uh, support and understanding be patient um, be encouraging uh, listen well um, and you don't want to dismiss feelings um, offer hope. I think that's a fine thing to do. Um, if, for instance, you have a, a family member who is talking about suicide, see if you can get them to um, connect to a doctor, therapist. Um, take those things seriously. And I would say um, persist in, in engaging them in activities. 
if you yourself are feeling depressed, don't wait too long. Uh, sometimes what happens is people will wait a very long time to get support. And we do know that the longer folks wait, the harder it can be. There's even research that shows that it can be more problematic the longer you wait. So you want to see a therapist or professional um, relatively early in the game and um, stay engaged I think that's one of the probably one of the biggest things that I could uh, ask of folks who are uh, feeling emotions stay engaged and and be loving towards yourself have compassion thank you so much Robin for being on the program today oh thank you Joanne for inviting me it's my pleasure you've been listening to Dr. Robin Walser uh, who's been working for many years with ACT, with trauma and related depression at the TL Consultation Services. And she also works at the Veterans Administration in Palo Alto, California. Robin's the author of several ACT books, and among others is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for the Treatment of Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder and Trauma-Related Problems. You can read more about Robin and her books on her website by clicking your name on this week's episode of Act Taking Hurt to Hope on webtalkradio.net. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.